go. Welcome to Counter Stories, a podcast by people of color, for people of color, and everyone else. I'm Anthony Galloway, senior partner at the Dendros Group and pastor of St. Mark AME Church in Duluth, Minnesota. I'm Luz Maria Frias, Deputy Attorney General with the state of Minnesota. Any comments or opinions I share are strictly my own and should not be attributed to my employer. And I'm Don Eubanks, Associate at Dendros Group and member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe Indians. I'm Haley Lee, owner of the Other Media Group, VP of Programming at Ampers, and Counter Stories producer. Joining us today, we have a special guest. Um, Given that we're coming up on Juneteenth season, we thought it would be apropos to invite Brother Lee Jordan uh, to talk with us, who is responsible for a lot of us, one, knowing about Juneteenth, for those who didn't grow up in that culture and community, but also um, some other key accomplishments for Juneteenth. And so I'll let Brother Jordan introduce himself. Welcome, Brother Jordan. Thank you all for this opportunity. And I say you're trying to get me in trouble. There's some, there's definitely some uh, history of Juneteenth in, in the state of Minnesota, especially in the Twin Cities. And I, yes, I've been a part of Juneteenth for since about 1980, going to Juneteenth and then becoming part of the committee. And now the Midwestern State Director for the National Juneteenth. So, yes, I eat, sleep and drink Juneteenth. And uh, <laughs> And I love it. Hey, well, so it, it's funny. I'm apropos. I'm actually recording uh, from the rehearsal space of Rose McGee's play about Juneteenth, where I play Frederick Douglass. And so I'm, um, you know, I'm just I'm I'm feel Juneteenth that already right now. But um, let us get started for those who may not have grown up um, celebrating Juneteenth in their families or um, in their various communities. Brother Jordan, can you? Tell us a little bit more, not only about Juneteenth, but, um, you know, we're in a space in the state of Minnesota where Juneteenth is a holiday. And, of course, we now have a national holiday for Juneteenth. So can you just give us a little bit of that background um, just to uh, uh, locate our audience and then we'll dive in? Well, first of all, most people, uh, when, we, when it comes to Juneteenth, uh, tell the story of General Granger uh, riding into Galveston, Texas, to bring the news to the remaining slaves in the uh, Texas area. Uh, but understanding that there were 13 states in rebellion. So when it comes to Juneteenth, there are a lot of stories to tell as far as freedom and how important it is. And like I said, Minnesota has had its Juneteenth celebration since about the 1980s. Yeah. And basically Juneteenth, for those that need a definition, is a celebration of freedom, and especially what freedom means here in America, because we are talking about the end of slavery that's, what, 400 years or so? So Juneteenth truly is the celebration of the end of slavery here in America, and internationally as well. Absolutely. And, and you know, we we are have benefited, you know, over the years in the state of Minnesota. Um, um, I think it was Oak Park uh, where some many folks go back to and thinking about some of the some of the festivals that used to happen back in the day. And then, of course, moving as it got bigger to Theo Worth Park until that um, festival stopped happening um, many years ago. And so I have many, many memories of celebrating Juneteenth here in Minnesota. Um, which is not necessarily the same for many folks in other parts of the country. Well, actually, uh, the first celebration was at Bethune Park. Bethune, that's okay, Bethune. Bethune Park, and then from Bethune to Oak Park, and from Oak Park to Theater Worth to, uh, you know, and now actually the one of the oldest celebrations is back at Bethune Park. But once again, uh, there's Juneteenth celebrations throughout the city throughout the state. And and as you said, uh, now that it is a federal holiday, uh, as well as a state holiday, and just so you know, the National Juneteenth Observance Foundation, which is where I'm a part of, we were the ones that kept the, the Juneteenth bill alive for 30 years before they finally decided to pass it. Mm. So that, you know, like I said, uh, the bill has been around a while, and once again, we did not, as especially as people of color, we didn't wait for someone else to you know to tell us this is the celebration of you know of the end of slavery. We knew it, right? Yeah. So you know, so there's always been 
some sort of celebration uh, within the culture itself. So that's why I said when we talk about uh, General Granger and Gallus in Texas, that's just one part of the freedom story. So I, we know that government works slowly, uh, but 30 years. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I thought you were making the joke. Uh, you know. 30 years on, on the bill. What were um, some of the pushbacks that, that you had received on this well, bill? Basically, once again, it was the understanding exactly what Juneteenth was. Yeah. Uh, because if, you, if you're talking about uh, the history itself, we can start with the, the Emancipation Proclamation, yeah, and then from there, you know, the Thirteenth uh, Amendment, and then from there to you know General Order Number Three. So, like I said, there's so many components, you know, to the freedom story, and that's why Juneteenth is so important because it gives us that opportunity not only to you know to talk of you know to give some sort of acknowledgement to our ancestors, you know. For those that actually went through something that is completely unbelievable, yeah, but yet it's it somehow came through that whole process, and especially as 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 for me, I I didn't meet a lot of my ancestors, yeah, because they were you know a little older than I, but I I almost feel like I know them from actually understanding and and having a better understanding of the celebration and the commemoration of Juneteenth. I want to thank you, uh, Mr. Jordan, for, for your efforts and perseverance in all of this. Um, I first came to Minnesota in 1988, and that first summer I was here was the first time I learned about Juneteenth, and I was at Bethune Park. I didn't know that uh, it was uh, your leadership that, that got us there. Uh, and, and others, as I, I see you shake your, <laughs> your head, uh, so I'll, I'll stand corrected there. But um, it's it's been a real gift to our community here to have that celebration and acknowledgement and validation. And I can't help but to think about um, the time that we're in right now where there are particular factions of uh, elected officials who are trying to erase history, right? And so not only were we as a large population across our country deprived of learning about uh, Juneteenth in our textbooks, right? Uh, everyone was was taught about the Emancipation Proclamation, but they conveniently left out uh, the Juneteenth aspect and, and folks uh, still being uh, uninformed and and uh, having to withstand the hor horrific uh, circumstances that they were put in uh, against their will. So to have this now be the national holiday and 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 state holiday that's official now because the governor, uh, you know, signed off on it and, bill, yeah. and and signed the bill. And and I wanted to hear your thoughts about how you see this this dichotomy, you know, in society where there are, as I said, there are there are large factions within elected leaders and political parties who are trying to erase it, and here you are um, shepherding the awareness of this um, and the importance of it. Just kind of that tension, that dissonance that that we're feeling for for ourselves and community. Well, the the one thing that I can say, and I I can only speak for me personally, yeah, and, and but I'm pretty sure a lot of people do agree with me. When we actually talk about history itself, a lot of the history and the contributions of people of color, not just African American people, but people of color, period, are starting to come to the light. So it is it is sort of the uh, I won't say the responsibility, but it, it should be uh, something that everyone wants to pick up because the to give honor to your ancestors gives you life, gives you breath, gives you strength. It gives you the foundation in which to move your life forward. So Juneteenth is a big part of that. And any other celebration that brings about a better understanding of what freedom means here in America, you know, we all should put our shoulders to that wheel. 
I think that's so apropos to the community that, um, you know, after news of freedom began to spread amongst these folks who were trying to keep slavery going even after um, even after, of course, the Emancipation Proclamation, which, of course, you mentioned earlier, <laughs> if I'm in rebellion against the Union, I'm not going to listen to the rules you try to place on me. But then also, even after uh, the passage of the 13th Amendment and folks still need, I mean, it's 1865 that we celebrate on June 19th, you know, and, fo- and even after that, folks continue to try to keep that news from spreading. Um, and folks collectively you know, uh, uh, one left, <laughs> you know, I came from a family who left. We have this, 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 um, idea, uh, based on some of the early news stories that folks, you know, stayed and, and were compliant and good, happy, you know, happy black folks. And, um, in my family's history is one of folks putting on the facade of a happy, um, uh, and got the attention of all the folks around, say, watch us have a good time here. We'll sing John Brown. Uh, we'll sing all these different hymns and we'll make you real happy. In the meantime, everybody else plans. in the family was packing. <laughs> yeah, we're making plans, you know? Yep. <laughs> and the, the thing uh, that I was at, I was at Bloomington uh, the other uh, night, where they signed a proclamation for Juneteenth for Bloomington, uh, the city. At first, uh, the proclamation was for um, pride. And then Juneteenth came, you know, for the next proclamation. And then there was one for uh, equi- uh, economics and home, uh, I mean, not economic, but uh, a better environment for home buying for people of color and and, and so forth and so on. And I thought to myself, Juneteenth needs to be first, because if we didn't have the rebellion and the and and the and the movement, you know, by people of African American descent that were former slaves, or you know, uh, then everything else wouldn't have happened, because everything else kind of started from that point. As far as how do you uh, fight not being put into a situation that you don't want to be put into? How do you find a way around, you know, the laws and the restrictions that have been placed upon you? And so to me, Juneteenth is a celebration of freedom and none are free until we all are free. Yeah. But that's, you know, once again, that's my opinion, but uh, it's it's the one that I kind of stand by. You know, I, um, I think I just happened to stumble upon that very first celebration that was at Bethune Park. And it, because it, it, you know, that, that area changed because I actually grew up in the uh, Subner Field projects. And Bethune didn't exist when I was there. Uh, the school was called Grant. It was uh-huh. Grant Elementary School. And it was after we moved out of the projects that... They tore the old Grant Elementary School down and built uh, Mary Bethune Elementary School in the same site. And so by that time, by the, you know, I don't, and I don't remember the year. So if you're saying it was 1980, then it was 1980. But I, I just happened to be in North Minneapolis and caught when a friend of mine said that they were having this, this uh, celebration over in the park. You know, we didn't we didn't call it Bethune Park. It was just the park. It was just the park <laughs> over there by the projects. By the projects. And um, and so I wandered over there, and that was the uh, it was the Juneteenth celebration, and that's when I first heard the story of. Uh, and I remember getting angry. You know, I remember getting angry when they when they shared the story that. You know, a couple of years after the Emancipation Proclamation was made, that you know, uh, individuals in the South that were part of the uh, rebellion were, you know, uh, took great efforts to not inform their property that mm-hmm. they were indeed free, and um, you know, and and to continue to enslave individuals. And uh, force them to work, among other things. And so I remember getting angry when I heard that story. And I know Lou's talked about how, you know, right now we have efforts um, 
among those same states, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, I kid you not that, you know, states like Texas and others are uh, passing laws and, and, and uh, legislation uh, prohibiting uh, the teaching of, of uh, history. Race theory, yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, they, they frame it under critical race theory, mm-hmm. although, although I haven't got a single individual who brings that up to be able to explain to me what it is. Exactly. <laughs> But it's the idea that it's the dressed up pig. Yeah, you know, we can't talk about events that happened in this country to us um, because it might hurt a young white child's feelings. I mean, think about that. I mean, just it just it it just the reasoning for that just doesn't even comprehend within me sometimes. It just but, makes no sense. Just remember, this is the same people that came up with separate but equal. True. I mean, they came up with a lot. Uh, yes. And they, and they continue to, to do it. I mean, a lot. It, it's like it's, uh, you know, we're recycling and we're hearing the same arguments that were made after, uh, prior to uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, you know, for justification to separate from the union, we've heard those same these same tropes um, after Reconstruction that ended Reconstruction and started Jim Crow. I mean, we're it's cyclical. We go through this cycle, and we're now in another cycle that has kind of divided this country. You know, we talked about we you know, we talk. Uh, they did tell us that you know the Civil War divided the country, and it will be interesting how this fr- this phase. And our current situation will be taught five, ten years from now, you know. Because to me, we're we're going through another another phase in this country's history of this dividedness that has always kind of existed for Absolutely. white American white Americans and everyone else. Well, one of the things that's important for me is once again is I try and bring history to the Juneteenth celebrations that I, you know, that I'm a part of and as the state director. Um, so let's say, for instance, when we talk about the story of General Granger uh, and being in Galveston, Texas, the one part that most people have no really idea Ooh, about. come on, Brother Jordan. I can't <laughs> wait. Come on. <laughs> that there were 19,000 U.S. colored troops that were there at the same time. So how can we not tell the story of these amazing men and women? Because we're talking about Miss Taylor, who was the first black nurse for the U.S. colored troops. That's right. So the history right. is there. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and Juneteenth, you know, like I said, is supposed to be you know this part where we take a moment to, as I as I like to say, there's a moment of celebration. And there's a moment of commemoration. Yeah, the celebrating part, there's a little bit more on one side than it is on the other. Because we are definitely talking about you know, the our ancestors. So we want to make sure, once again, that we give them, you know, what's, this, what's the old, why don't you rise and give God the glory? Well, I feel the same way about our ancestors. We need to rise and give them the glory because they are the shoulders in which we're standing on. So when it comes to a Juneteenth celebration, there should be you know, a, 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 a bigger sort of wailing you know, within, you know, within our spirits you know, to, give, you know, to give our ancestors what is so, so to them. And right now, I'm trying to make sure that we have a minimum of, of, of two U.S. color troops at every Juneteenth celebration here in the Twin Cities to make sure we start telling that story. Because like I said, there were 19,000 of them there. And each of them has a story to tell as well. And that connects up each and every one of us. See, it's little nuggets like that, Brother Jordan, that... that... Um, has you have been a jewel for us in our thinking? Um, you know, I'm we're playing. I'm part of the Duluth uh, festivities that are happening around the Twin Ports area. There's three different 
um, main festivals happening in the city, in the area around Duluth and, and Superior, plus a bunch of smaller events throughout the Elders Luncheon and 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 the Juneteenth Gospel Brunch and all these different things. And it was that point that you brought up. Um, I can't remember where I saw you uh, uh, heard you talk about that, but our our leadership team was like, "Oh, we got to do that to find and make sure that we have veterans, Black veterans in particular." Um, that we have in our community um, that are we're, we're going to represent and, and make sure to honor because that that is a huge thing. You know, we we give General Gordon Granger all this credit, but you had to have a whole lot of troops backing you up in a place that was disappearing folks quick just for talking about freedom. Well, if you can imagine, if you're a slave, if you were never taught to read and write, yeah. But if you saw someone who looked like you in a uniform with a gun <laughs> walking through the street, you would go, wait a minute. I think Master ain't telling us something. Yeah. <laughs> and then you start to put, as they say, you start putting two and two together and you, and you start to realize that, wow, so this is what they were talking about when they talked about freedom. Yeah. And where did, and, and that's, that's the other thing too. You know, if you if you have no real concept of what the word freedom means, we, you know, we've always created you know, this, you know, and this is not just African-American, but this is anyone within a situation that they really don't want to be in. They've always been able to create an energy for themselves that somehow catches home to someone else and then they they catch on and they and someone else and so forth and so on so there is definitely an energy that is at the Juneteenth celebration that you don't get at the 4th of July don't, and and trust me I'm 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 I, I love barbecuing on the 4th of July but I also love the history uh that's connected with Juneteenth that once again, that's slowly and surely coming to the front. You don't need, I, you know, I think that that uh, many, of, well, I'll speak for myself. The 4th of July, you're right, is a time for family to get together because the whole country recognizes that. But it has never meant to me as someone who is a black Indian, a black native, I'm black Ojibwe, Anishinaabe, but the 4th of July has never had that same meaning for me in terms of our independence. <laughs> Come on, because <laughs> you know, because who, who was free? You know, one half of me was enslaved, and the other half they tried to annihilate and, and kill us off so they could and, and took our land. Yep. So that they could give it to white immigrants and white Europeans that moved to this country. So for me, the fourth never had that true meaning of true independence. Um, and so much like you, Juneteenth has taken on that, you know, a, a different meaning. I'm trying to think if there's, you know, in, in my mind, I can't think of any anything comparable that I would be able to celebrate on my native side, you know, something that corresponds with that. And then the other thing you've shared, you know, because I, you know, I think I may have heard that tidbit before, but the fact that you mentioned that there were 19,000 black troops that, that accompanied this general to Texas in order to deliver this message. Those are, you know, and, and we, uh, Anthony, you know, framed it as, you know, these nuggets of history, but to me, they're more than nuggets. They, those are the foundations that allow us to stand on the shoulders of our ancestors. But if we're never taught that, if, if that is never shared with us, then it makes it, we feel like we're just muddling around that, you know, these things um, didn't happen, right? Because they were never taught. They're never, never shared, taught. and and purposely, right? I mean, you know, on on, on uh, previous programs on counter stories, I've shared an experience I had when I was at in college at McAllister, taking an early history, uh, early American history class, and it was studying a town called Oneida back in the 1600s, 
And after the second or third day, I asked the professor one question, and that was, how can we study this time period um, without talking about any of the any of the natives that were there at that time? And her answer to, was was very profound. She told me we study history from the perspective of those who conquered, not those who were vanquished. And that was, you know, and people thought that was harsh. I didn't think it was harsh. I thought it was the most honest thing I had heard in the classroom in a long time. So I immediately dropped that history class. And thank God, Dr. Mahmoud El-Khati was teaching at McAllister at that time. And he took me under his wing. And that's when my education really began in terms of helping to identify who my ancestors were and where we did indeed come from. But not everybody has that. You know what I mean? Everyone should. (laughs) And I mean, we, we had done another story with one of our hosts when we were at a different radio station at that time. And, and I think the rest of you guys will remember this. It was, it was after the uh, Philandro Castile shooting. But he, he asked us, well, I'm, that, that's a little bit out of context, but one of the questions um, he brought up to us, oh, it was after we saw um, what, Hidden Figures. Mm. And he asked us, what else is there in our, in our historical background that we that you know that we wanted to share and if i remember correctly we were all silent because how can you bring up instances if you don't know about them true does that make sense i mean yes, none does. of us really had could could give him anything because we don't know because we weren't taught it was never shared with us it was one of those profound moments. I was going to go a different route. You know, as this now, to your point, Mr. Jordan, of commemoration, you now have government leaders, different towns around the country who are, quote unquote, commemorating, but not in, in, in a way that is respectful uh, and can be injurious to the community. Come and there's also the, the private sector <laughs> that will inevitably uh, commercialize it the way they have commercialized other, everything else, else, you know, Cinco de Mayo and and, and is is something that comes to mind and is dear to my heart as as a Mexican. Um, I just read about Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, This year just happened. Uh, They put up 50 banners across the city uh, in commemoration of Juneteenth. And one of the banners depicted a white couple. So folks were then um, backlashing on that. And at first, you know, some folks defended it uh, and they finally then issued an apology and they blamed it on one person. um, And then they eventually then took down the banners. The other example that comes to mind that we spoke about a year ago when it happened was uh, Walmart and how they then issued the Juneteenth uh, ice cream. There you go. The Juneteenth, it, it was called Celebration Edition the Juneteenth ice cream, right? Um, and commercializing and, and um, then, of course, monetizing it, right? And none of it going back to the community that most is injured by it and, and so forth. So give us your thoughts on, on this. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts and your reactions on, on this as inevitably it will continue to unfold and, and, and become even more so and then the second part of my question is, um, what are the most effective ways that we can, as community, be in support of this not turning into this huge, you know, commercialization, but also offensive commemorations? Wow. Okay. So let me see. <laughs> Where do I start? Well, first of all, I want to back up just a little bit uh, as far as... Um, the Fourth of July and 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 Juneteenth. And from the national standpoint, we say that the Fourth of July freed the land, but Juneteenth freed the people. Mm. So you can make that 
the vision between the two mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and find a way to you know to to enjoy both but uh in answer to your question as far as uh the yes there's been and there's going to be because there's still it's still new for everyone and 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 sometimes people are so excited to do things that they don't always know of the efforts you know uh of of how to make sure that there's some sort of understanding completely about what the commemorating part is what the celebrating part is and everything else is going to kind of be added to it as we move forward uh in a in a better understanding once again of freedom so it's it's going to take a little while for for water to find its level but i'm pretty sure that it will and this is where juneteenth comes in the celebrations and the commemorations and you know, and whatever else there there are certain traditions that the people also need to be aware of yeah that uh let's say for instance the tea cake which is one of the oldest cookies yeah yeah in uh as far as i know it's even older than the oreo well yet at the same time you know there were uh whatever celebrations they may have had, they may have had a tea cake celebration for 4th of July. Yeah. And when they made them at the, at the big house, they made them with the sugar and the butter and, and, and all the others, you know, rich and wonderful stuff. But yet when they made it in the slave quarters, they maybe didn't have the butter. So they had to use lard or, or fat. Yeah, so they may put some extra sugar in there, but it still was something that was used to, you know, to bring about joy in the heart. So if so, if we can make sure that whatever we bring or whatever we do, kind of brings, you know, brings that joy or brings that history back into the picture, then I think the people that just want to see it as a, a Juneteenth as a brand will know that I'm sorry, that's not gonna fly. <laughs> because uh, once again, there's a song by the staple singers, we the people, <laughs> we make the world go round. Hmm. So as long as enough people start to realize their voices you know, are important enough to say, I'm sorry, that's not gonna work for me. And doing so, we we take control of the situation itself and knowing and understanding the importance thereof is, is that that's about as close as i can get for right now <laughs> i appreciate that so you know i still have to make a comment about about i think that's uh um the comment that uh lee you made about trying to think of the fourth as as freeing the land and then and then uh, Juneteenth about freeing the people. But as a Native American, the <laughs> force still yeah. doesn't work for me. <laughs> there we go. For sure. Because for sure. it wasn't freeing the land for me. It was taking the land. Taking, you know. mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, but that's what I mean. So there are so many layers and complexities to what to what some of us have endured Absolutely. in this in 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 this uh country that even um a comment like that that you know helps frame and 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 make sense of these holidays still has a negative connotation so you know so for me as a na- black native there was nothing i could find with the fourth that was celebratory because even with that phrase, you know, we freed the land and then we freed the people. Um, that land was still taken from us. Yep. So, and I think that you know, there's there's those kind of discussions that we need to have in this country that we don't, that we don't have. Um, 
Did, and I that's think a, it's important, you know. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Anthony. Go well, ahead. No, no, no. It's it's I think I think that's right on. And I think the complexity of this is woven into it. And I and I, and I I this is what the the Juneteenth committee I've seen do repeatedly is help folks deepen um their understanding about what we can do, what has been done in the past. I mean, I actually grew up celebrating Juneteenth. I grew up in a community that that did the family re- you know, we tied our family reunion to it. And we, we, we knew that part of the route was there because one of the things that happened in the commemorations and the celebrations after um, the, the first Juneteenth, you know, festivals and gatherings and things like that were happening is they became ubiquitous with family reunions in my family because people had to piece families back together. I know, uh, Brother Jordan, you, you have, have, have been doing some, some amazing work at the genealogical aspect of celebrating and commemorating Juneteenth. Can you speak to that a little mm. bit? Oh wow! <laughs> well, p- part of it is that I I I see there's so much to what Juneteenth can be, will be, and 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 beyond. Yeah, and part of that is bringing the genealogy pieces all together. Yeah, at a Juneteenth celebration, so that yeah, because we're we're people of stories. And one way is to maybe just sit around drinking a red drink and 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 and, and telling family stories so that we can connect the you know, the stories to a bigger picture. And and the reason why I say that is because my mother used to say that my uh, great great grandfather used to walk around the land like he owned it. And so in my research. I found out that all I need to do is go to Henrietta, Oklahoma, and say that I'm the great great grandson of Bose Calloway. And someone said, "Well, you know, your cousin lives in this house, and the other cousin lives in this house." Wait, and what was that last name you out, just said? I'm sorry. What was that? What was that last name you just said? Bose Calloway. B O S E Calloway. Okay. Um, there's a there's a there's a there's a transliteration thing that happens historically between Galloway and Calloway. In some places, it's ubiquitous, and so now you got me curious if we ain't family. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See, once again, it's, yeah. it's it's all a part of of bringing those bits and pieces together because we all hold bits and pieces of, of our history. Yeah, be it uh, uh, part of the you know, the Native American part or the African American part. You know, all these parts coming together, and I'm still waiting to find out about the 13th percent of me that's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it makes me a little nervous. <laughs> it makes me a little nervous, but I'm still I'm still willing to to open up that. As a Galloway, who's a descendant of Colonel Galloway in the in the Carolinas, we unfortunately know exactly where our Irish comes from in this tragic story. But but that that space right there is Don. The reason I, I wanted to bring that up is because your what you were talking about about the nuance and layers and complexity about this um, is part of the story. We 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 can't forget that even in the general order that was given um, by General Gordon Granger. It says, General Order Number 3, and it's not long. It says, The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the Executive of the United States, all slaves are free. We often stop there. We don't continue to go on to the part that says, This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former uh, masters and slaves, and the connection heretofore existing between them becomes that between employer and hired labor, something that the Texas and other places are trying to elevate in order to not talk about slavery, but make it something that talks about labor, right? And then, and then it says the freedmen are advised to remain at their present homes, ah, yeah, okay, and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that yep. they will not be supported in idleness either there or 
or elsewhere. So yeah. again, you have this 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 seemingly, you know, like yay celebratory statement that is wrapped in the same stereotypical um uh, uh ridiculous assumptions for the people who've been doing all the labor and then you're going to turn around and try to tell them to be uh, idle and to stay where they are. And my family, of course, many of the folks in my family from that area said, "Hell no, we out deuces." Yep. But 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 it, and and then, you know, not too long not too long later, you have um, Frederick Douglass in his in his um, um, speech where he gives very specifically, what to the American slave is your 4th of, Fourth of July? I answer a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. So even Juneteenth has with it these nuanced and, 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 and layered spaces that turns this celebration into one that tries to reclaim the pieces of the past and bind that to others who are also experiencing that. So I, I just, I, I, I hope that as we deepen this, that all those things come forward. Absolutely. And, and like I said, the first time I heard General Order number three, I got a, a, a feeling in the pit of my stomach that I couldn't eat no barbecue. Uh, so, so trust me, I know exactly <laughs> one of the things that, that I want to, um, just say that when it comes to all of these things that we need to talk about in, in open and honest and loving, caring ways, yeah, um, it's going to take some time. Yeah. But if Rome wasn't built in a day, then, well, as I like to say, yes, they created the black codes, but we created the green book. Ha, <laughs> ha, hey. <laughs> My hope um, is that people who are now getting Juneteenth off work will mm. actually think about it instead of just being like, woohoo, I have a vacation day, just- right? I have a day off. And to really think about why they're getting the day off and the story behind the holiday. I think it, you know, you are, I at least am seeing a difference like in my community of people actually like learning about Juneteenth and being like, Oh, I, I never learned about that. I never knew that. And it becoming a holiday is allowing people to discover this story. I discovered this story not through school. And like Don, I was I was angry when I discovered this, that I didn't learn it at school. And I learned it from a mentor of mine who was a black male. Um, and he told me about it. And I was mad because at that time I was in high school and I was like, why isn't anybody teaching me this? Why do I have to hear it from you outside of school? Um, Don, you and Anthony are involved in planning some celebrations. So what? how do we celebrate this? And um, tell us a little bit about where and when those celebrations you're planning are happening so our listeners can attend. Well, you know, I'll I'll jump in there because um, you're, thank you, uh, Hilly, because I'm on a planning committee here in Roseville. Um, and there's a group that kind of, um, that calls themselves Do Good Roseville. And they have, and there are members of that group and other community members who back in, yeah, man, I'm trying to think it, it was maybe 2017 or 2018, got together and we gathered and put together a, a small Juneteenth celebration in Central Park. And, it, you know, there was maybe 30 of us there. And, you know, I kind of spoke about what Juneteenth was, and we had about two, three other people. Well, it's grown. So now the city of Roseville actually is helping sponsor. Uh, Lee Jordan came in, attended a couple of our meetings, and we learned so much through Lee in terms of what happens at some Juneteenth celebrations. And so this year, it's uh, our Juneteenth celebration is actually going to be on June 17th at Central Park off, off uh, Lexington. And we're going to have over, uh, my God, I think we're going to have over 40 to 45 um, agencies, black agencies, businesses, food, 
music celebration. There'll be things for the kids. It's a family-friendly event. It's free. Um, we're bringing in some food. <laughs> the food is free. I mean, you know, so we hope that it, it turns in to an, a, a big annual thing. Um, and Anthony Galloway is our <laughs> opening speaker. And so you mentioned that Anthony's working on a, and I know he's working one on in Duluth, but I hooked, you know, after uh, Lee attended our, the first time Lee attended our meeting, and he talked about some, some of these uh, things that happen at the beginning of a Juneteenth uh, celebration. And he mentioned two or three things. And so immediately after that meeting, I got in touch with Anthony and said, man, can you do a prayer, you know, for our, for our Juneteenth celebration? And, and Anthony was so gracious to, to accept and say that he was going to do that. And so Anthony is like our, um, once the mayor kind of does his little welcome to Roseville, yeah, Anthony is our first main speaker, um, and he will be, you know, given a little history of Juneteenth um, celebration, a prayer. And the only thing we weren't able to secure <laughs> were the tea cakes, because I know <laughs> we worked hard to, to, to try to get these tea cakes, and we just weren't a able to track any of those down. But um, so I'm kind of looking forward, you know, the, the event is June 17th, 11 till 3. And so, um, really looking forward to it. Absolutely, and and it just you know we talk about this on Counter Stories all the time. How um, uh, how small the world is when it comes to folks in some of our communities. And so I've um, I was introduced to Brother Jordan by Rose McGee yeah. um, several years ago, and 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 you know you've become Brother Jordan. You know, kind of like one of my big brother uncles in community. You just tell me what you want me to do, and I got to go do it because that's how we roll. Um, but. Um, we in, in if you're in the Northland area and you're listening to to counter stories um, around the area of the Twin Ports, we have uh, several Juneteenth events that are happening throughout the weekend. There is um, organized by many different folks. So the Twin Ports June, Juneteenth committee um, has festivities that are happening on Juneteenth. Um, the NAACP has a festival that's happening in the afternoon of Juneteenth. Say um, for the church side of things, we have the Saint Mark um, sponsored. Uh, Juneteenth gospel brunch that happens on from 10 to noon on Sunday, uh, uh, in this case, June 18th. But uh, we also have the Elders Luncheon hosted by Health Equity Northland and the uh, community, uh, the Unity Fund on the 16th, so honoring elders in the community. And so, and then there's a, a kind of like a, a, a debutante kind of festival thing that happens uh, on Saturday, the 17th. And so, um, all throughout the weekend in the Twin Ports area, go to the Unity Fund. You can go to Health Equity Northland, the NAACP's website, Twin Ports uh, Juneteenth Committee, and all of these events are listed there. But there's also events all happening all around the Twin Cities. There's small events that are gathering in all of those different places. And so if you want to find out where you can look at, uh, find the Ju oh, and, and of course, on June 16th, <laughs> um, yeah, we're, I know our company is sending our all of our staff to lunch and to go see June, uh, Kumbaya, the Juneteenth story, a play by Rose McGee that's going to be hosted at um, Breck uh, School, uh, a morning show and an, and an evening show. And you can go to the Minnesota Humanities Center to get information about that. And those are just some. You can Google. There's, there's, there's events that are happening all across... Um, the Twin Cities. And so you can go and check out. And those are just a handful of them. I don't know all of them, but those, if you're in the Northland, you got some, some opportunities. If you're in Roseville, you got opportunities. If you're in the Twin Cities, St. Paul and Minneapolis, you've got some opportunities. Um, I'm playing Frederick Douglass in, in Rose McGee's play. So you'll get to see uh, me looking very uh, regal and, and much older in that performance. Well, I do actually have a page called Juneteenth Speaks, where I'm trying to put as much information that, like I say, of the Juneteenth that I'm working with are, are, are trying to uh, share that information. So I'm one of the people that says, I really don't care where you celebrate Juneteenth as long as you do it. That's right. Because <laughs> you know, 
you just you just need to be there because truly there is an energy that you don't get anywhere else. And I want people to to tap into that energy. And a footnote to all that's been said, there are many ways to celebrate. So it's a both and it's not an either or. Uh, it's also about supporting black owned businesses yes. uh, in my mind. Uh, there is a there is a, a link that we can put on our uh, program, Minnesota Black Owned Business Directory. Uh, and the site is mnblackbusiness.com. And it's about really being intentional about empowering communities that have been marginalized um, by the mainstream public, uh, but also beginning to understand that your support, our support of black businesses are year round and not just only Absolutely. on a particular date. So I would I would add that to another way to honor. Um, and I would like to talk and, to you uh, about that as well, too, the ways that we can work together to, you know, to help bring that message about because I've been talking to the small business administration and like that they need to up their game too. So that's right. please let's, let's communicate to each other and take this to the next level. Absolutely. Well, brother Jordan, I'm so glad to have had you on to it's talk with pleasure. us and give a little, put a little fat on all of our heads as it, as it pertains to uh, celebrating Juneteenth. And I'll leave our audience with this quote. Um, uh, Mariah Cooley says that June 19th reminds me that I am the force of power to change this world and to follow in the footsteps of my ancestors to work towards liberation. Thank you for joining us. This has been Counter Stories. I'm Anthony Galloway, senior partner at the Dendros Group and pastor of St. Mark AME Church in Duluth, Minnesota. I'm Luz Maria Frias, Deputy Attorney General with the state of Minnesota. Any comments and opinions I've stated are strictly my own and should not be associated with my employer. And I'm Don Eubanks, associate of Dendros Group and member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe Indians. I'm Helene Lee, owner of the Other Media Group, VP of Programming at Ampers, and Counter Stories producer. And, Brother Jordan, if you'll sign off yourself. My name is Lee Jordan. I'm the Midwest and State Director for the National Juneteenth, and as we like to say, all things Juneteenth. <laughs> and as a famous storyteller said, stepped on a pin and the pin bent. And that's the way the story went. We'll see you next time. This has been Counter Stories, a co-production of the Counter Stories crew and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. For a full conversation, please visit counterstories.com. <laughs>